better than this guys being dudes here on the draft dudes podcast presented by locked on it's joe marino and kyle Krabs from the draft network and we are your host here on this new year's eve edition of the show it's takes on takes tuesday and it's also the last episode of draft dudes in the decade kyle welcome it's very sad exciting day though (laughs) your tone there is just incredible no, I'm saying we're 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 closing a decade of draft dudes. Sort of. I mean, technically this will be what our third year, third full year as draft dudes. And then Is we did, had a year as locked on NFL draft and Is this our I know, we, we, I know we've done an ungodly amount of podcasts together. So this is well, we started it was like August of whatever year it was. So this are we entering year four? It's gotta be more than that. Mm, yeah, entering year four. Man, I was kind of hoping no, it was like entering, entering year, year five. five. Entering year five. You're right. Beautiful. Well, so we're a little bit into year five. Technically, yes. Are we okay? So, what NFL quarterback are are we at? Like entering year five? We're oh, we're geez. We're like we're not quite Jameis, right? Like three. Oh, we're not th- Marcus. Yeah. Are we somewhere in the middle, or maybe like? I don't want any feedback on this. I just want to move on. Call us Dak. Yeah, we'll think about it. What quarterback are we at this point in our our tenure? Yeah, I think that's a project for the 2020 season. (laughs) So ask us next year. I think I want to give you this one. Takes on takes? Yeah, I want to give you this first one. Okay. Mostly. Joe Mama. Bah. Yeah, so it's Joe underscore mama underscore ba turned in by Morgan Lewis. And I think it's important for everyone to know that Joe underscore mama underscore ba has a dog Avi. And it's a fluffy white it's a fluffy it's a fluffy white dog. Okay. And this is his take. I prefer Tua Tongue of Iloa. Trevor Lawrence will not succeed in the NFL. Okay. Let me tell you, how much time do you have for me to tell you why this is a moronic take? Well, like, what what could he, what can he point to as evidence to say with certainty that Trevor Lawrence will not succeed in the NFL? What? What is it? He plays on a good team. Oh, wait, so does Tua. And people wanted to, to knock Tua for the same thing, like, in October before he got hurt. That was my favorite thing about Trevor Lawrence against Oklahoma is his receivers were not right, and he took over the game. You mean against Ohio State? Yeah, Ohio State. Even yeah. better defense, excuse me. Yeah, because he won with his legs too. I just don't know how you can reasonably get to this conclusion right now. So here's what I found about dog abbeys. I would rather turn this into a little TED Talk about dog abbeys. That's than, wh- and that's why I put that side note in there because there wasn't a whole idiot, lot to say. This idiot take. Um not all dog av- avies are bad, but I would say 
more than half of dog abbies are bad. I have some dog abbies who I interact with regularly on my timeline on Twitter that I genuinely to- enjoy talking sports with them. But the bad dog abbies, what I have found, if you are a bad dog abby, the less intimidating and unassuming your dog looks like, the worse your takes are. Exactly the case. Little, te- little teacup dogs. You're going to get some galaxy brained quack job tweet that you're going to lose and burn brain cells just from reading the words on the screen. And you and I are big dog people like I love dogs. We love them. And I have two dogs under 20 pounds. So. Right. But you. That's what I said. Right. If if you're a bad dog, Avi account, you're going to have a small teacup dog. That's what I figured out. All right, so hashtag Glazers out. With Jack Rabbit gone, Baker not looking great, and Beal being an unknown, the Giants should consider Jeff Okuda fourth overall. If they want an offensive tackle, it should be Wills. He can play one year on the right side and then move to left side when Solder is gone. It's interesting, right? Um, Just Dave Gettleman's really poured a lot into this secondary. And it almost feels like you got to give some of these young dudes a chance to kind of develop. But at the same time, you can't, I don't think you can like hedge your bet on all of these guys coming into their own next year, because otherwise it's going to be a real, real weakness on the team. Um, I'm not convinced Jeff Akuda wouldn't be the best player on the board at that time. Um, and it's a premium position cornerback. I think it's just a little bit disappointing that, as many resources that have gone into corners for the Giants that we're having this discussion, but it could be BPA, and I'm never gonna I'm never gonna hate on a team for picking the best player on the board. And Akuda's definitely a possibility to be the best player on the board at the time. All right, Cameron Spencer says, per Pro Football Reference, Brett Favre, the all-time interception leader, had a career interception percentage of three point three. Jameis Winston's career interception percentage is currently at 3.5, but it feels much worse because so many are pick sixes. $30 million a year is too expensive for that level of volatility. They feel worse because they're just decisions you can't make. They're dumb throws. It's like they're telegraphed. <sighs> With the wrong speed on the ball. Right. It's it, There's a, an Brett was too aggressive. I don't want to say too aggressive because it worked out really well for him, but the, the career interception percentage of 3.3 for Brett, you know, he's aggressive. You know, he's he's trying to squeeze balls into windows, trying to make a lot happen. Jameis is first read, lock on, stare it down, lay it out there. Oh, there it goes for a touchdown. Like <laughs> I would agree from from a volume perspective, uh, the the intercept you can make a comparison between the two for interception rate. But this is where, like, if you watch them play, I think you would find maybe not the tail end of Brett's career, but like throughout the vast majority and, and peak of his career, there was a difference in the kinds of interceptions that are being thrown. There's interceptions that you can live with because it's a double-edged sword. And then like some of the mistakes that Jameis has made are just, they're not mistakes. A guy who should have been in the league for five years should be making. 
can I, I want to interject here and this may feel a little weird for me to say this, but I want to bring Josh Allen into this. Oh, of course you do. Okay. That's good. I, I don't normally do stuff like this, but I think it's very relevant to this discussion because you started talking about the types of interceptions. One thing about Josh Allen, and he's not a big interception thrower. He threw nine this year, and I think he threw like three after week four. The interceptions that he does throw, they're not bad decisions. I don't think Josh Allen's thrown a bad decision interception. They're always, when I say bad decision in terms of he misread the defense and tried to, to you know, you know, he missed a sinking defender and it just got picked off. It's it's like he extends a play, he tries to be super competitive, and he just chucks the ball up in the middle of the field, and obviously a defender settles under. It's not like it's an outbreaking pattern. He just didn't see a squatting defender and they just picked the ball off. I, I think your phrasing's wrong, but I think your comment is right. Well, because fix that, it is, for that, that is a bad decision, but it's not a misread. Right. Yeah, that's what it is. He doesn't misread coverages. He makes bad decisions because he tries to make too much happen. Yeah, it's an overcompetitive decision. It's hero ball, and it's it's stupid. It's bad. They're all bad decisions. But, anyways, yeah, I think that's a good point about the types of interceptions. Okay, thanks, man. Uh, Dennis SK, ball security issues in college matter. Utah State quarterback Jordan Love took a step back, similar to Sam Darnold at USC in 2017. Darnold has already thrown 28 interceptions in the NFL. Jordan Love is going to be a hit or miss prospect. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, especially Jameis Winston was, I think he threw a lot of interceptions in college too. So I, I think there is something to that. Um, we've seen guys get through it, uh, be able to really kind of learn, right? What you can and cannot get away with. And you're going to talk about Peyton Manning and Jameis. Sure. But uh, yeah, that's, that's an example, <laughs> but the, the bottom line here that Dennis is getting at is that Jordan love is going to be a hit or miss prospect. And I think that's true. And I think there's a lot to believe in with his upside, but you can also say, hey, he's got a lot to overcome. So, yeah, that Jordan Love is absolutely a hit or miss prospect and um, a team just like you know a lot of other teams that have taken hit or miss prospects. They're going to bet on themselves to get the best out of that player. And I think he gives you an exciting and reasonable chance to be a starter. So we'll see. But, yeah, I think I mean, you're a pretty big Jordan Love fan. Wouldn't you agree? He's hit or miss. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's I gave him an early two on film. So he's probably going to end up being top 40 on my board when it's all said and done. But like he ain't going to be my top 10 because I don't right. think he's a slam dunk. I think right. he, there, there's inherent risk within making that investment. Yeah. All right. Uh, James Strong says, after having the game of his life in the Cotton Bowl, Penn State's Jorney Brown will be a first round pick in the 2021 draft. Kyle, tell us about your uh, your your fellow Penn State Nittany Lion. There is so much that needs to happen between now and 2021. <laughs> I'm going to do the Joe Marino equivalent here of taking the field and say, Journey Brown's a, a very good football player. But if you had to tell me right now, based off of the performance in one game against Memphis, that he's going to be a first round pick, I will pass on that take. It's 5'11", 206, had 890 rushing yards, 12 touchdowns this year, 6.9 yards of carry, 15, nice. 15 receptions. I mean, I've watched a little Penn State this year. I thought he was a good player, but He's I haven't a player. I haven't thought like, oh, this is a first-round guy, or like have I even considered him like because he's not eligible and I don't have time for non-eligible players. Right. There's only so much we can squeeze into these brains. And yeah. <laughs> 2021 guys, other than yeah. like the top 10, 
aren't really on the radar right now. Right. But I'll, I'll pass on that just because it's a, it's an aggressive stance to take right out the gate. Uh, Joe Bexar, LSU's white helmets are the best college football helmet. They're good. They're really good. Mm-hmm. The best, though. The very best? I don't know. I don't know if I can get on board with that. There's a lot of helmets that I like. I think we'd be splitting hairs to, to pick who's the best. Um, I'm going to say that they're not, though. Take the field. Yeah, I'm going to take the field, and I'll tell you why. Here's here's what stands out to me. I think the Tiger logo is a little too small. There you go. That's why. That's why. Wow. Just nitpicked yeah. it. You just said, I don't want to split hairs, and then you split hairs. <laughs> Shut it. I really Crazy. like those chrome Minnesota helmets, man, with that big gopher on there. I don't know why. That's the one that stands out. Oh, the, the maroon one with in the, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a freaking good helmet, man. Yeah, they're not bad. They're not and bad. And Texas Longhorns helmets, amazing in my opinion. No, screw them. They're, they got no, no, they have no all, alternate options. Yeah, so but their like, white helmet is I understand, good. but but it's like it, if you don't have something to mix it up with like once a year, it's it becomes, I, I get tone deaf to it. The you got to have a little something. White Florida Gators helmet. Yeah, with the F. It's exceptional. Yep. Yeah. There's like three options for um, Arizona State helmets that I think could be. Oh, yeah. Here. Arizona State's got some good stuff working over there. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's in the conversation, but it's I, I don't know if I'm going to say it. Yeah, definitely the best. All right, Vontel, here's what he's got for oh, us this week. Oh, boy. Here's what he's got. Vontel. You're trying to be a head coach for a blue chip program, but first you have to work your way through the smaller programs. Rank these four in terms of preference. University of Hawaii, Army, BYU, UTEP. Jeez. Um, You know what I think I'm taking? And number one? Yeah. I know. For me, it was, to me, I arrived very easily at my decision. I think for you, it's between two teams. Do you want my guess or do you want to tell us? Yeah. What, what do you think it's between? I uh, BYU, because you always have a soft spot for every single BYU player and the media over there has been good to you. And uh, Hawaii, because I can see you being all excited about living in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would think you would say UTEP and then Army. I think I'm going BYU first. Just because I feel like BYU, um, I don't know, Hawaii, this just run and shoot offense. I don't know if I want to tie myself to that. The service academy with Army, you know, you got to run run a lot of option stuff. You're so undermanned. At least at BYU, you get some good recruits that come through there. Obviously, they, they have the missions uh, that, that their prospects do, so that's – a circumstance that's an extra layer that you don't have to deal with at a lot of places. But have you seen the the landscape at Lavelle Edwards Stadium? For BYU? Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. All of those West Coast mm-hmm. or Western is beautiful. They're like backed up into the mountains. It's yeah. a beautiful view. They got they got fun football. They play a fun schedule. I think BYU's where I'm gonna go here. So rank them one to four. BYU, Hawaii, UTEP Army. UTEP for me is the clear-cut, obvious number one. 
Oh, okay. Go. Yeah, for it's, it. it's a regular. There's there's no factors that I have to deal with. I don't have to deal with the service academy. I don't have to deal with the service trips. And I don't have to deal with every road game coming across the Pacific Ocean. All right, in Hawaii, UTEP is in Conference USA. It's in Texas. All right, so I know there's good football players that live in Texas. I think it gives me the best opportunity to assemble a talented team within the structure of regular football against other reasonable teams to get a job. You see Conference USA schools all the time elevate to Power 5 jobs. Um, Number two for me would be BYU. Number three would be Hawaii. Number four would be Army. I just don't think I could do Army. Well, you you got to be like a special human being in general to take Army. And I'm not. I'm not special. So, so, so you want to go take the program that's won two football games in the last three years? Absolutely. That's what you want, that's what you want to do. It's low hanging fruit. Okay. It's Texas. I can get. I can get. Well, good it's been. Players. It's it's been in Texas the last three years. They've won two it's, games. It's never had me as the head coach. Okay. Those those numbers are about other coaches, Kyle, not me. Okay. <laughs> Uh, is this, what happens here? This one's for me. Hold on. I'm doing math real quick. Is it about my head football coaching record? Cause it's one and oh, I coach. I was, I was an offensive coordinator for a pop Warner team here locally. Uh, the head coach got, uh, suspended for a game. <laughs> Imagine that. And, uh, I had to be the head coach and we beat the Dorita Redskins six to nothing. UTEP's had 15 one or zero win seasons. All in Texas. One, uh, 15 zero or one win seasons. And they've all been in Texas. I don't care. I had a very good process as to how I got there. Okay. You're going you're to go with like the, the, the history of the program? To me, that's what I want. I want that opportunity to turn something around so that I can get a power but five you- job. But you're trying to, to be a big name. You're trying to work at a blue chip big name program. Right. I can't believe you're like pushing back on this right now. Are you going to light speed jump to four other schools before you get to your big time program or what? Are you going to no, get hired? Gonna... Are you going to get hired to USC from UTEP? No, I'm going to turn UTEP around and then I'm going to get the job at TCU. Okay. So you're going to light speed jump to different schools before you end up at your blue chip program. Oh I, yeah, I I was taking it. If I'm going to be at one of these schools, and my next job's going to be the blue chip job, where do I want to be? TCU is not a blue chip job. Do you think TCU is one of the best ten programs <laughs> in the country? No, Kyle. Okay, but you're going to go. From, you're going to go sink yourself at those other schools. You're going to be no, sunk. No, Nobody's no. going from Hawaii to anywhere. It's never happened. Okay, that's why I'm picking BYU. <laughs> Let's move on. Take, take from Hator. Uh, huge cap space, cut Leary and Flacco, plus sign Justin Simmons. Uh, by the way, Denver Broncos fans do not want Grant Delpit in got, their, their mock draft. Got that. Thank you for thank Don't you for give it to him. Appreciate you letting everyone know about that. <laughs> plus five picks in the top 100, plus Bradley Chubb returning. Broncos are the most exciting team entering 2020. Hell yeah, is what he says at the end. <laughs> There's a lot to be happy with, right? I mean, that's a that's good stuff, right? You got a lot of chances to improve your football team. You've got some exciting young talent in place. Um, hopefully, you know, some of this offensive line stuff can can improve and you know, Juwan James can come back and help the team. Um, I mean, I like what Alexander Johnson did this year. I think there's a lot to be excited about in Denver. 
then there's here's the curveball, right? It's the most exciting team entering 2020. Maybe if you like, if you give me like the angle of uh, it's for a non-playoff team, because like, how could you not be continue excited to see like Baltimore next year and what they do with you know Lamar and and that supporting cast and how Hollywood Brown and Justice Hill become more a part of things and um, you know what what's going on in San Francisco and stuff like that. You know, I think that I think there's a lot to be excited about across the league. I'll I'll say that they're the most exciting non-playoff team entering 2020. Sure, I'll dig it. Uh, Dion says it's official. <laughs> I don't know why it's now official, but uh, Adam Gase is the worst head coach in football. He leaves Miami and Devontae Parker starts mossing Stefan Gilmore on a regular basis. <laughs> I feel this is very cruel of you to put Rich Rise's take immediately after this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I did it on purpose. I absolutely oh, did that on purpose. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yes, Dion, you are correct. Adam Gase is the worst head coach in <laughs> football. Uh, Devontae Parker killed. Stefan Gilmore's defensive player of the year chances. Sorry to hear that. Put up like nine for one, one sixteen against Gilmore. And he lost him three times. Trey White so, would never. <sighs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Gase. Did you see what he had to say about Le'Veon Bell? Yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. Now what's interesting there is it's, uh, it's, it is believed that the person who asked that question was Manish. Mm-hmm. So Gase, it was less Gase being short about Le'Veon Bell and more Gase being pissed at Manish because Manish has turned his entire, his entire platform is now just Adam Gase slander. So if you get on my timeline, there's probably something retweeted from Manish, like on a daily basis. <laughs> I, I, here's the deal though. Like I still don't care. You can't, you can't respond like that. Well, and but but that's why Adam Gase is such a bad coach, right? Because it's things are per, everything's personal with Adam. It feels like it's either you're with me and I'm right, or you think I'm wrong and you're against me, and that's such a polarizing. No, there 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 has to be some diplomacy with your player relations, with your media relations. Adam has none of it. He has none of that, and, and because of that, he becomes such a, a polarizing, dividing persona it, it's not what you want atop your organization never mind the fact that that you know game management's not good and game planning's not good and this for an offensive he's the worst offensive guru in nfl history because his offense has never finished better than like 28th in the nfl did you see why his excuse for why the offense only had like 267 total yards and 13 points against the bills backups on sunday because the did he say something about the weather? He said the weather was crazy. Couldn't couldn't uh, uh, you know get any consistency? Yeah. What the bills? 40, what what the bills have? Kyle it was forty three degrees. There's seven mile an hour winds, and there was a light drizzle that was off and on during the game. This is that's Pete Gase. Gase yeah. never takes accountability or responsibility for anything. There's always the, an excuse. There's yeah. always an excuse. Yeah, the Bills had over 300 yards. They scored six points. They were with Matt Barkley and their backups, right? So Okay, so so yeah. the Bills got more yardage. They did, yes. Okay, just less points. Against the Jets' starting defense. But, right. All right, let's, we're going to say nice things about the Jets now. Well, Rich, um, this is for you, right? Yeah, I'll take it. He says, I, I love the pod, guys. I'm a long-suffering Jets fan. Our condolences in need of therapy 
after tanking our draft position all the way to number 13? Who do I tweet at for takes on takes questions? And can you instill some hope in my team's future through the upcoming draft? All right. So first of all, big shout out to Rich Rise because we have been slanderous towards Adam Gase and the Jets on this podcast for a long time. And he's a listener. And thank you so much. Um, listen to a Dolphins fan and a Bills fan talk football. It doesn't always give you the greatest platform to say nice things about the Jets. But I do think that you can take a lot of a lot of excitement into Sam Darnold. I think he's a reasonably exciting young quarterback who the team is obviously better with when he's in the lineup. We saw what that team looked like without him and what he was able to do. And, um, you know, he had a rough year with that mono. Like, that's just like a totally weird, unexpected curveball that you hate to see for anybody. And, you know, they wind up going six and two down the stretch. And I know I made my own jokes about, you know, who they beat over that stretch, but they, they went out there and beat the teams on their schedule. And now there were some bad losses sprinkled in, but it's still a young quarterback and a, a reasonably young football team to believe that there's, um, room for this team to get better. And like you look at it and it's undermanned in a lot of positions. Like their, their pass rushing situation isn't great. Their offensive line is bad. They don't have necessarily the greatest set of skill players. Um, you know, they have questions all over their secondary and they were still able to rip off that stretch of win. So give Joe Douglas, right. The opportunity to invest these resources into this football team and see what can happen. So, um, I, I think that better days are coming for the jets and they were able to do that. Everything I said with them going six and two down the stretch, they were able to do that with an undermanned supporting cast for Sam Darnold and Adam Gase is the head coach. So, I mean, the silver lining is in Sam Darnold. The silver lining is in Quinn and Williams getting better next year. CJ Mosley will be back and you have resources in a guy named Joe, Joe Douglas who has to do a better job than Mike Mackigan. So there's, there's my pep talk on why I would be excited for the jets next year. Okay, here we go. This is interesting. Ismael says, okay, I get Miami needs a quarterback, but imagine how fun a first round of Isaiah Simmons, Caleb on chase on and Mekhi Becton would be. <laughs> Perk you up a little there, right? I, I, I want it. I need it. Um, yes, there is. And this is what's interesting, Joe, obviously the, the Dolphins making a change in their coaching staff, bringing in Chan Gailey, which we talked about for probably 20 minutes before we started recording today, um, makes you realize Ryan Fitzpatrick's probably not going anywhere. He's probably yeah. going to be the incumbent starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins in 2020. You know, whether they choose to invest in a quarterback in 2020, whether they choose to kick the can down the road and, and come back to quarterback in 2021. If they do that, Miami can go anywhere in the draft. If you think about it, if if they decide, what if Tua goes back to school? Right? Let's say Tua goes back to school. Hypothetically, they are going to have Joe Burrow get drafted. Who's QB two? Herbert. <laughs> Herbert or Love? Yeah. You don't want to invest in other those guys with a top ten pick. You may look at the development that's needed in both guys and decide, okay, let's, let's just trade back at some point and manufacture a third first round pick for 2021, which they could feasibly trade back from the Texans pick and still draft Mikai Becton in the first round. If they, if Houston loses this weekend, they'll be picking somewhere before 24. 
you could trade back to one of the last picks in the first round and potentially pick up a first round pick next year, depending on what the picks are included in a swap. And you could get a, a result like this of an Isaiah Simmons to play the Minka Fitzpatrick role that Minka didn't want to play, despite the fact that Minka said before the draft that his best asset was his versatility. Hmm. Uh, Caleb on chase on as a dynamic edge rusher off the edge, which Miami needs a lot of help in. And the fact that they were interested in Clowney as a guy who moves all around the front seven, uh, chase on can bring you a lot of that same versatility in the front seven. And then Beckton and offensive felt like it all fits. They can do whatever they want. And, and that's like a brand draft for me. I would be so thrilled with that grouping uh, the, the, depending the cav- on what the quarterback situation is. The caveat's got to be that Tua stays in school, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah if Tua stays in school, yeah, I think that'd be a killer haul. Killer. Those two guys in the front seven? Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. That's how with, you stop a modern-day offense. With Wilkins and yeah. and Godchow in the middle. And, you know, Simmons is pretty dynamic. I think he's he's Clemson's leading sack guy, isn't he? Yeah, he's got six like and five, and six and a half sacks. Yeah. 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 Uh, Seth Steer, Jalen Waddle will have the best NFL career out of the four Alabama wide receivers. Sure. I don't know. I think they're all good. Um, I think when you look at Waddle and Judy and Smith and Ruggs going to the next level, when we talk about the best career, it'll probably come down a lot to the situation that they go into. You know, I, I don't know that. I think Smith is a little as a tick below talent wise than those top three, but you know, I think they're all capable of being really productive NFL receivers. It's probably going to matter a lot what other receivers are in the mix on their NFL offense, who's the quarterback, who's the offensive coordinator, those types of things. But they're all capable of, of being really highly productive receivers for a long time in the NFL. We have breaking news. Do we? The Ron Rivera deal is done. Ah, oh, he's the head coach of the Washington Redskins. Wow. He is. You got to hand it. I mean, for, for Washington to – over the la- over the last two days to get rid of Bruce Allen completely and to bring in a, a respected man like Ron Rivera to lead that football team moving forward, man, it's uh good for them. Good for them. It's, it's a good, it's, it's the best possible steps I could imagine for them to get people to stop laughing about what's going on in that organization. Yep. We just got to figure out what the personnel group looks or the, the personnel side looks like. Yeah, that's a, that's a big question mark, but there's obviously going to have to be an alignment with Ron, right? It's just like I, I'm I'm a big fan of hiring the GM first and then hiring the the head coach, but you can still get guys that are aligned. It can happen. Yeah, but it, I think it narrow. Obviously, of course, it narrows your yeah. strike zone, and and yeah. Washington's just got to trade care. Go, like you got to finish the deal and go get your guy now in personnel. I think the obvious thing to do is to look look at Buffalo now because there's a lot of familiarity with that front office. Uh, you think about Dan Morgan, who I think played with Ron Rivera. Um, they're going to have familiarity there. You think about Joe Shane. Um, so it's going to be, to me, it's got to be somebody who Ron Rivera says, Dan Snyder, these are some guys I'd like to work with. Yeah, yeah. All right, uh, so this is uh, Joe Marino. <laughs> 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 Joe Marino turned in by Kyle Krabs because Dennis uh, SK screenshotted an old take of mine and sent it to Kyle. And I don't think it's wrong. Uh, this, the, the take is very simple. I said the ACC cannot recruit offensive linemen. Then explain me, Kai Becton, my friend. Explain it to me like I'm five. 
Well, yeah, of course there's going to be some exceptions. No, 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 no. Oh, this is dumb. Are we really no. going to do this? No. Think about the we, offensive we, lineman no, across the we, ACC landscape. We, there's we, been like we, three good ones in the last five years that have come out. Yeah, we can't even put Garrett Bradbury in that bucket with his multiple zero-grade pass-blocking performances for the Minnesota Vikings this year. Look at, I mean, like, who's the best? Who's the good ones? Chris Lindstrom? Lindstrom's good. Okay. There's nobody from Virginia. There's nobody from Virginia Tech. There's nobody Yeah, they had from- that. Who was that shitty tackle they had that went UDFA people liked a little bit? Wow, you just went all in on Who is that guy? I'm like, because I've been telling this guy he was a good player, and I'm like, he's like the worst blocker I've ever seen. Come on. He's like 6'7". I know ran like four four. I, I don't remember. How was that guy's name? He sucked. I don't remember. Clemson, uh, Clemson thought they got the greatest offensive lineman ever in Mitch Hyatt, and he won every award possible. Didn't get drafted. Five-star recruits started every game at Clemson, won every John's, award. I, I got a I Clemson offensive line take. Okay. John Simpson will get drafted early on day three and will be a starter in the NFL. Sure. Their left guard. Sure. He's stiff as hell, but he moves you. So um, Florida State has probably the worst lineage of offensive linemen. Right. Like when, you're, when your NFL products are Cam Irving and Bobby Hart, like you guys got to look in the mirror. <laughs> like, <laughs> But Mekhi Becton is, is in the ACC, Joe. So it's not a yeah, totally 100% factual take. All right. There's a few ones. Justin Pugh is a good player. And uh, 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 keep going. <laughs> Lincoln <laughs> Tomlinson, you know, he's really carved out an opportunity there in San Francisco coming from Duke. Yeah, we've come on by and large for a power five a conference, man. They just cannot get all good offensive linemen in there. What about right. uh, what's his name? Yeah, what's his name? Who is it? No, the NC State kid. From when? NC State last year. Tyrone Prescott, Tony Adams. Oh, Prescott. Remember Prescott had some buzz last year? Couldn't be me. All right, last one. Adam Huddle. Um, he says, ranking or comparing conferences at the end of the year based off conference bowl records is dumb and not a true reflection of conference strength. That is correct. Yeah. That is the best take of the day, and I'm glad we saved that one for last because half these teams aren't even motivated to play. You mean to tell me, based on last year's showdown between Texas and Georgia, that Texas was a team that was going to beat the brakes off of Georgia, or did Georgia just not want to be there because they didn't make the college football playoff? Right. I can tell you for sure what the what the answer to that is. Yeah, I know. We got some, <laughs> some stories not for the air that have been really eye-opening on that front. Um But that's going to do it for us today on the show. I agree, Adam. You are correct. Do not bring conference bowl records to an argument for conference superiority because it is wrong. Thanks for listening to Draft Dudes. Joe, what did we say we were doing tomorrow? We had like our whole week planned out. Um. We oh we're gonna reflect upon our preseason predictions for the oh NFL yes yes yeah. yes of course well that'll be a lot of fun I can't hey our Eagles are still in it baby Eagles are still in it 
What do you mean? Oh yeah, didn't didn't we we picked them to go pretty far, didn't we? Yeah, you know, all the way far, you know. Oh well, they made the playoffs. So go birds, baby! Go birds! Fly Eagles! Fly! They were five um, and seven. I was nervous, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out we had nothing to worry about. Carson's gonna get hot. I can feel it for sure. Yeah, so that we're we're gonna talk about what our preseason predictions were versus what reality reality turned into. Maybe I'll put together a little spreadsheet, Joe, of like all the wins that we were off for all the teams. I'm excited to see it. I know that that's that's fun. a firm yes that you're going to do that. So, well, I need to find the time. Might go to oh. Home Depot. Don't know if I'm going to have enough time. Bed Bath and Beyond. That's a uh, what? You don't know what that's from? <laughs> no, that's from old school. Oh, I've seen that. You ever one. see old school? Yeah, yeah once Frank, back Frank in the tank. Fifteen it's years when, ago, it's when Frank the Tank goes to the the frat party or the house party. And they're trying to get him to do the beer bong. And he goes, no, no, I'm not going to do it. He, he goes, come on, why not? He says, well, you know, tomorrow we're got a real nice day planned. We're going to go to Home Depot, might go to Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to have enough time. And then he does one, and the next thing you know, he's, he's streaking down the middle of the road, and his wife drives by and picks him up. Yeah, I've seen it once, so I don't remember any of that. You remind me a little bit of Frank the Tank. Is that the the character Will Ferrell plays? Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Okay. Just because you get crazy. Do when I? You let, when you let your hair down, you get crazy. Oh, yeah, sure. That's probably yeah. true. That's yeah, probably. yeah, for sure. All right. That's it for us today on Draft Dudes. Thanks for listening, everybody. Come back. See us again tomorrow.